You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. Awesome. Well, it's a great privilege and honor to come uh, be with you guys tonight to bring the word. And so I bring my love and uh, affection from our Manurewa campus as well. But thank you guys. Oh, well, welcome to the house tonight. Uh, Before we get into it, we're going to get straight into the word. So why don't we close our eyes and bow our heads and I'm going to pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is alive and active. God, your word has the power to transform, and God, your word holds truth. And God, that's what we're after tonight. Lord, we're after your truth. And so we pray, oh God, that you would bring your word, and God, that it would sharpen us, transform us, and conform us into the image of your son, the person of Jesus. And so we give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise in Jesus, my name. And if if you believe that this morning, would you say amen? I'm going to say this morning a lot because I'm used to doing mornings. This is uh, the first 5 p.m. in a while, so I'll do that. But let me tell you about the time that I went to debut for hockey. All right, I went to debut as the star player for hockey, and by star player, I mean I was benched for a whole season. Uh, but I, got, I used to convince myself, Kaylin, they're only benching you for the season because if they threw you out on the field too, too early, uh, you'd end up taking away the competition. And it kind of confirmed my theory when I got the call up for the final game. And on that phone call, the, the, the teacher rang me and she said, hey, Kaylin, we would love, we absolutely need you to play because we believe in you and because the other guy got injured. So we really need you. Um, and so let me tell you, church, everything that could have gone wrong deb- going to this debut for a hockey game did go wrong. Like two days before this hockey game, I was training in another sport, martial arts, and because uh, tough, uh, I was training in martial arts, and I'd broke, I'd injured my injured my hand, and I'd ended up in a hand cast, a hand cast of all things I'd ended up in, and so that was one setback. And I remember going to this game, getting to the vans to get to this game, and I remember uh, heading over the bridge, and this happened in Huntley, where every good story comes out of. And so I was walking over the bridge in Huntley, and out of nowhere came flying this rock across the bridge, and no word of a lie, it hit me on the side of the head, my head started bleeding, and I remember church, I remember absolutely nothing. I was stone cold on the ground crying myself in that pain, and I remember I just got up in time to get to the vans at that school. So another setback that had happened. I get in the vans, we head to this game, we head to the fields, and finally I get there and I realize, Kaylin, you've forgotten your shin shin guards. How are you meant to be the star player if you've forgotten your shin guards? And so being from Huntley again, everyone rallied together and they grabbed all their books out of their bags and we started shoving them down my socks. And it was another setback. But let me tell you, none of the setbacks could steal from me or rob from me the greatest moment of my life. Let me tell you about the greatest moment of my life. Listen, the final uh, countdown was up on on the screen. Final countdown was happening in my head. Everything slowed down dramatically. The big lights, the rainy night, the big-shouldered guy staring me down from the goal. Let me tell you, that ball came rolling in my side of the court. And so I ran after it, and I tripped up, but that's all good. I turned it into a dive roll. I stuck out my hand, and out went my hockey stick. It nipped the edge of the ball. And let me tell you, it went straight through the defense, straight through the legs of the goalkeeper, went into the goal, and let me tell you, the crowd went wild. By crowd, I mean uh, someone's parent and the teacher, because who goes to watch hockey? Uh, But let me tell you, I tell you that story with all of those setbacks because how many people know that great setbacks, uh, with great setbacks come even greater victories? See, church, have you ever noticed that uh, most of life's greatest stories ever told are defined by a good comeback? 
There's a story about a man that I heard who after his business had gone bankrupt and at the lowest point of his career, he picked up a pencil and began, began to draw. Little did he know that day that as he began to draw, he would birth the world of animation that we know and love today. Friend, his name was Walt Disney. There was another man who at the age of 62, after being turned down a thousand times of starting his own business, he picked up 10 simple ingredients. Oh, come on somebody. And as he picked up the 11th ingredient, he birthed the worldwide movement that Christians know and love too well uh, today as KFC. Friend, his name was Colonel Sanders. Henry Ford, J.K. Rowling, Thomas Edison, John Wesley, all great names we know and love, not defined by their setbacks, but known by their comebacks. Perhaps can I suggest to you tonight that you don't know the greatness of the moment that you're on the edge of. Perhaps you don't know tonight that you're on the precipice of God's purpose for your life, but friend, I need to encourage you that whatever attitude you've carried, whatever place you've found yourself in in this point of the year, friend, whatever attitude you've carried, the word of the Lord for you tonight is this, get back up. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, get back up. Man, he's a rowdy bunch. I want to look at a story tonight of a man who Jesus encounters and helps to get back up. It's a man of a story on a man. It goes like this in John chapter 5, verse 1 tonight. It'll be up on the screen. It says this. Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city near the Sheep Gate was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew he'd been ill for a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Just a little bit of context to that. They believed in that time that the, an angel of the Lord would come, stir up the pool, and the first person to get into it uh, would be healed. He continues to say this, someone else always gets there ahead of me. Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. Church, the question for us tonight is when life gets us down, when things don't go our way, when we've found ourselves in situations that have caused us to stumble, when we feel depleted or discouraged, when we get to the end of the year and look over the course of our year and think, man, what did I achieve? Friend, the, the question we need to ask is how do we get back up? How do we get back up from that place of discouragement? See, firstly tonight, you need to know that in order for you to get back up, friends, you need to respond. Everyone say respond. Here's the truth. We don't always get to choose what happens to us, but we always get to choose how we respond. In fact, Adele was just telling me she used that on her child before this, uh, this week, and it got thrown back at her, so hey, be careful when you say that, all right? Uh, see, what I've discovered is that most of life's issues and problems could be solved by responding the, to them rather than reacting. I said that to my wife and she nudged me in the shoulder and she said, did you hear what you said? <laughs> see, most of life's situations and problems could be solved by responding to them rather than reacting. Because you've got to understand tonight, there is a difference between a reaction and a response. Let me tell you the difference between a reaction and a response. If you're taking notes, I'd encourage you to write this down. Friend, reactions come from the heat of a moment but a response is measured. Let me say that again. Reactions come from the heat of a moment, but a response is measured. And so here's Jesus in this encounter with this man, and he says to the man, would you like to get well? Notice that Jesus says, would you like to? He doesn't say, why aren't you? And so he awaits this man to respond to him, but rather than being responded to, Jesus gets reacted at. And I really believe there's three things in this that this man reacts that we can often become familiar with in our lives that undersell us in our walk with God. Friend, the, the man reacts firstly in defeat. 
Notice how he says to Jesus, I can't serve. Let me ask you tonight, are you familiar with the notion of defeat? Are you familiar with saying, I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, not talented enough, I wouldn't measure up to that, I'm not good enough, I don't have those types of abilities. Friend, are you familiar with reacting in defeat? See, I want to challenge us as a people of God. We don't react in defeat. We respond with faith and victory. What does that look like? Though I haven't seen it, I'll have faith to believe it. Though I've been waiting a day, a week, a month, or a year, I'm standing on the edge of victory. Come on, we respond with faith and victory. This man continues in reaction, and he says this, someone else always gets there ahead of me. Let me tell you what that's a reaction of. That's a reaction of comparison. Friend, are you familiar tonight with comparison? Are you familiar with measuring your life to the lives of others? Are you, measure, are, are you familiar with reacting in comparison? Someone else always gets there ahead of me. Someone else got that job. Someone else got that promotion. Someone else got that opportunity that I was believing for. Can I encourage you tonight? We don't react in comparison. We respond with thanksgiving. Come on, I thank God that that person who's in the same boat as me got that healing. I thank God that that person got that opportunity and he opened up those doorways. We don't react in comparison, friend. We respond with thanksgiving. He continues in this. He reacts with the weight of his words. Did you know tonight that your words hold weight? See, Proverbs 18 verse 21 tells us this. The tongue has the power of life and death. He reacts with the weight of his words. Friend, I want to encourage us as a people of God, we don't react with the weight of our words. We respond with the weight of God's word. We respond with the weight of God's word. Friend, if God said it, he'll do it. If God promised it, he's the one who will come, make it come to pass. Friend, we respond with the weight of God's word. See, reactions come from the heat of a moment, but a response is measured. So the question then is, how should we measure our response? Well, friend, it's as simple as measuring it to the person of Jesus and to the word of God. We respond by the person of Jesus and the word of God. What does that mean? When situations arise, when things aren't going our way, when situations pop up, we don't react to the heat of what's going on. No, no, come on, friend. We respond by the person of Jesus and by the truth of the word of God. Let me ask you tonight, are you reacting or are you responding? The second thing in order for us to get back up is, friend, we need to stand up. Everyone say stand up. A couple of weeks ago, I'd found myself, I was heading off to the beach by myself as I do as a dad. I didn't have my child, so I was like, I'm going to the beach. Uh, so I was heading, on the, heading to, to the beach and I went on the motorway. And as I was driving on the motorway, I took a slight left. And all of a sudden, long story short, I found myself walking up these steps and walking around the museum by myself <laughs> into the small violin and the woe is me mentality where I was like, man, what a lonely life. Um, and so I was walking around the museum and actually, as I started to look at the events of the world, all these big things that have happened throughout history, friend, I began to cry. In fact, I began to weep, and I felt the Lord say to me, Kaylin, you're crying because you became so fixated on the things which you've been going through. Kaylin, you've lost perspective. You've lost sight of the bigger picture, the bigger picture that I have for you. And then I felt the Lord simply invite me back into, into his presence, into his uh, counsel. And he said, Kaylin, come see things as I see them. Come get my perspective. Come get my uh, view on what you're going through. Hear me tonight. Stop viewing your defeats through your defeats. Stop viewing your problems through your problems. Like this man, don't get on this mat and see the world from the mat. Stand up and get God's perspective. Stand up and get a different view. In fact, Colossians 3 verse 1 to 2 encourages us in this. It says this. Since then, you've been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. 
Therefore, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Not on earthly things. Friends, stand up and get God's perspective. I don't know if anyone here is familiar with one of the great classics. It's a movie starring Daniel LaRusso and Mr. Miyagi. It's called Karate Kid. And if you're not familiar with that movie, let me tell you, you'll be familiar with the final scene. But if you're not, I don't care. I'm going to set it out for you anyway. So enter stage Daniel LaRusso. Daniel LaRusso enters the, enters the mat for this competition in karate. Uh, he's in this round and he gets illegally kicked and injured. That person gets disqualified. Enter Johnny Lawrence. Johnny Lawrence steps up to the mat. They start their tournament. Johnny Lawrence sees that Daniel LaRusso has an injured leg, so he starts kicking at his injured leg, and Daniel LaRusso keeps falling down. But he stands up, and he keeps standing up for every round, and we know this scene. Daniel LaRusso gets up one last time. He gets on one foot, and I'm not going to do it because I got the mic, all right? And he kicks the competition, and the crowd goes wild. Hear me tonight. Here's the truth. Many of us, after getting hit by the things of life, we end up falling and staying down. Friend, I'm here to encourage you tonight to stand up and get God's perspective. See, Proverbs 24 verse 16 says this, The godly may trip up seven times, but they will get up again. See, my prayer for us, church, tonight is that your faith would be a faith that's resilient. Resilience is this. It's the ability to be stretched and to recover. To stretch and to recover. In fact, I felt one time the Lord tell me, Kaylin, stop calling it a fall and start calling it a squat. Because see, a fall assumes, come on somebody, a fall assumes that you're going down to stay down, but a squat assumes that you're only going down to get back up again. Come on, we need to start to exercise that faith muscle, start to exercise every time life knocks us down, we get back up so that when the enemy comes with the same tactic, when things don't start to start going wrong again, when people mock us, scorn us, belittle us, whatever it may be, friend, we have that faith muscle and that resilience to be stretched and to recover, to stretch and to recover. Let me ask you tonight, are you seeing things as God sees them? Are you viewing your life through the vantage point of eternity? Because friend, if you aren't, then it's time to stand up. See, thirdly, in order for us to get back up, friend, you need to know that you need to pick up your mat. See, I get Jesus saying to this man, stand up. I get Jesus saying, walk, because those are the most obvious things for somebody to get up and walk in. But what I always found puzzling about this verse is that Jesus tells him to pick up the very thing that he's been on for the last 38 years. For 38 years, he's seen this as an opposition. For 38 years, he's viewed the world from this mat. And now Jesus says, stand up and pick it up. Pick up the very thing you want to get rid of the most. And there's three things that I really believe that Jesus was saying to this man as he said, pick up your mat. Friend, if you're taking notes, I want to encourage you to write this down. Take authority, remember the victory, and let it be a witness. Let me say that again. Take authority, remember the victory, and let it be a witness. See, the first thing is taking authority. Friend, let me ask you tonight, what's that map for you? Let me ask you, have you gotten comfortable with the very thing that God's called you to confront? Friend, has life become autonomous with a mat that he's told you or told you to take authority over? Maybe tonight anger has become the mat. Maybe your financial situation has kept you on a mat. Maybe an addiction, a habit, a sin has become so comfortable in your life that you've now gotten so comfortable you've caught it the mat. Maybe you're on the mat of unforgiveness, the mat of shame, the mat of fear, the mat of offense, worry, or uncertainty. Maybe you've stayed on a mat called the job you despise, even though God gave you a vision and a dream for something greater. Maybe it's a mat of disobedience. We have become so secure that now you're so disobedient and in stepping into the next thing that God has for you. Friend, whatever the mat, I'm here to remind you tonight, 
Romans chapter 8, verse 11, it tells us this, the Spirit of God who raised Christ Jesus from the dead now lives in you. Did you hear that tonight? That same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, friend, come on, somebody, the same Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is the same Spirit that will help you to get up off that mat. The same Spirit that was active when Jesus defeated hell, death, and the grave is, is available for you to help you to take authority over that which has kept you on the mat. Pick up your mat. See, too many people, after picking up that mat, give it a bit of a dust off, take it from one place to another, and then get back down on it. I'm here to tell you tonight, you're not only picking up that mat to take authority. Friends, you're picking up that mat to remember that you already have victory over it. Friends, you're picking up that mat to remember that God has brought you through it, and God will bring you through it again. See, Revelation 12 verse 11 tells us this, and we, the people of God, overcame him, the enemy, by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of our testimony. You know that word testimony there, and many of you are familiar with this, but that word testimony there is the Hebrew word aduth. And aduth is basically a declaration meaning do it again. See, friend, every time you pick up that mat and you remember the victory, every time you pick up that mat and remember his provision, remember his grace, remember his love, remember his mercy that brought you through it, friend, what you're declaring is, God, you've done it before, and I'm not putting it down again because I believe that you can do it again. You can have victory over the mat. Pick up your mat. Friend, pick up your mat not only to take authority, not only to remember the victory, but to allow it to be a witness. Hear me when I say this, this, this tonight. There are breakthroughs on the other side of your battles. There are salvations on the other side of your struggles. There are opportunities on the other sides of your oppression. And hear this tonight, somebody. There are messages on the other side of your messes. Pick up your mat, take authority, remember the victory, and let it be a witness to others of his goodness. I want to say this finally, if the keys could join me tonight, is this. In order for us to get back up, friend, you need a walk. Everyone say walk. Remember the context of the story. There's a man who's been paralyzed for 38 years. And in my head, I'm like, oh man, this is the breaking point. Like, this is the breakthrough point. This is the easiest thing for him to do. Just get up and walk. But you've got to remember, this man's been paralyzed for 38 years. He's lost all mobility, never walked in 38 years, probably lost the muscle memory that it takes to end up walking. And for me, I'm like, man, I'm so encouraged by this man because it would have taken every ounce of courage to just stand up and take that step. Here's the truth tonight. Friend, the greatest barrier to your growth, the greatest enemy to gaining momentum in your life, the greatest thief and enemy of purpose is by never taking that first step to start to walk, is by never taking that step and that, that next step and that next step which causes you to walk. See, if you want, I really believe that there's people in here tonight, in this room, where fear, worry, uncertainty has prevented you from taking that step of obedience or that step of faith tonight. If you want to walk into all that God has for you, if you want to walk into his plans and purposes for your life, friend, it's going to take you taking that first step. Someone never, no one ever learned to walk without taking that first step. My, my wife hates this, but I say one of my pet peeves is babysitting. And she goes, Kaylin, you can't call it babysitting if it's your own child. It's called parenting. Um, and I had one of those moments where I'd missed one of the, uh, one of the best opportunities to see my child take a first step. Um, that was totally different. Let me just carry on with what I was saying. Um, and I'd missed it. But obviously, you don't start to walk after you take that first step. It takes trying again and trying again and trying again. And something 
astounded me because you watch them take their first steps over the next few weeks as they begin to walk. And you watch them every time they get up and they're like, man, I'm so worried, so uncertain. What's going to happen if I take that step? But let me tell you, everything changes when mum and dad get down on their level and they open their arms and they say, come to me. I don't know why I did it like that. But they say, come to me. You know, they start to get this excitement and they put on that, oh, they put on that little bounce thing where they start to like, yeah, I don't know why I'm doing that as well. But um, they start to, like, a little bit of excitement, a little bit of joy, a little bit of more of a certainty happens when mum and dad get on that floor. They get down to their level, open their arms, and encourage them to come. They start to take that step, that next step, that next step, and they just start to walk. I don't know who needs to be reminded of this tonight. But, friend, you have a loving father who gets down on your level. He gets down on your level, friend. He opens his arms, and he says, would you take that step? You can trust me. There's joy for the journey. There's peace. Come on, I'm here to pick you up if you fall down. I'm here to encourage you. I'm here to push you forward. I'm here to motivate you. Come on, somebody. There's a God in heaven. There's a God who loves you so much. He gets down. on. In fact, he got down on our level through the person of Jesus. You have a father. You have a heavenly father who loves you enough to get down on that level and say, take that step. Let me ask you tonight, where in your life do you need to take that step? Where in your life are you believing God for an opportunity? Where in your life are you saying, God, I'm going to step out in obedience or I'm going to step out in faith and take that step in order for me to walk? See, friend, the truth is in order for us to get back up, we need to respond by measuring it to the person of Jesus and to the word of God. We need to stand up and get God's attention, get God's view over the situation. Friend, you need to pick up your mat to take authority, remember the victory, and let it be a witness. But friend, you need to take that step of faith and that step of obedience if you're going to walk into all that God has for you. Church, tonight, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'd love to pray for you in this moment for anyone who's saying, man, that's been me this year. This year's just been a whole write-off, or I'm at this point right now where, man, I just need to do one of those things. I need to respond to what you just said. And I really believe that as I was writing this message this week, I really felt in my heart that this week there were maybe a couple of people, and you really struggled this week with your thought life. And that thought life caused you to think and caused you to come to a place that you felt like, man, it was over. And friend, I'd love to pray for you. So if you want to receive this prayer tonight, can I just encourage you to lift your hands and I'd love to pray for you. Awesome, awesome. Well, Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, right now, I thank you for every single person who needs to get back up. God, we prophesy and we declare over them that they would get back up. Lord, I pray tonight that they would be encouraged, their heart would be encouraged to keep going. Lord, I pray tonight that they would start to respond to your voice rather than react to the situations that they're in. God, I pray that they would begin to stand up and get your view again, get your vantage view of eternity again, oh God. Lord, I pray for those people in this room who need to pick up that mat. God, I pray that you'd give them the boldness and the courage to take authority over that thing, to take authority over that which needs to be taken, <laughs> taken authority over. And God, I pray that you would help us this week to begin to take that step into walking into everything that you have for us. And God, I declare that in Jesus' name. Church, with every head bowed and every eye closed still. No, we never like to close our services without giving people an opportunity to say yes to Jesus, to come into relationship with him. It would be the greatest devastation to brush over this moment. But here's the truth, friend. You were created on purpose and for a purpose. You were created for life and life in abundance. You were created for relationship with God. But the thing is, the reason why we don't experience these things is because of this word called sin. Sin is this. 
Sin is the barrier between us and God. It's the, to miss the mark, to live in disobedience to him. And in fact, the Bible goes on to say that the wages or the penalty of that sin equals death. Friend, you and I were dead in our sin. But our gracious, our loving, and our humble Father didn't want to leave us in that place. So what did he do? He sent his son Jesus, who lived holy and blamelessly, yet walked every last moment of his life with you and I on his mind. And friend, he took upon himself the death that you and I deserved. And so I want to invite you tonight. The Bible says that if we trust in him, believe in him, make him the Lord of our life, we will be saved. And so I want to invite you into a prayer tonight. Friend, what I'm going to do is I'm going to count down from three, and all you have to do is put up your hand and say, Kalen, I want to say yes to Jesus. I want to begin that relationship with him. And I'll acknowledge your hand. You can put it down. Uh, but it's just so I know who I'm praying with tonight. And so here we go. Three, God loves you. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. Two, he's standing at the door of your heart saying, would you let me in? One, friend, if that's you tonight, would you mind lifting your hand nice and high so that I can see it? If you're saying, yes, count me in that prayer. I want to know Jesus. I want to come into relationship with him. Awesome. God bless you to my left. I see those hands. Awesome. See anyone else? Anyone else? saying, yes, I want to say yes to Jesus tonight. Awesome, I see that hand on my right. Awesome. Well, church, here's what we're going to do. and We're going to pray this prayer together. I'm going to pray this prayer, and you can pray it out loud. Friend, if you put your hand up, uh, then I encourage you to pray this from the bottom of your heart. Here's the truth. The prayer doesn't save you. Jesus saves you. But this prayer helps you to take that step into that relationship with him. So why don't you repeat this after me, church? You want to say, dear Lord Jesus? You want to say, dear Lord Jesus? I confess I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Thank you that you died on the cross for my sin. I choose to turn from sin and turn to you. I give you my life, my past, present, and future. I make you the Lord of my life. Thanks to you, today is a new day, and I'm set free in Jesus' name. And everyone said? And everyone said? Come on, can we celebrate every single hand that went up? I'm gonna Thank have- you for listening to this Elam Christian Center podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancenter.org.nz.